Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Hello, and welcome to the good news on a Tuesday. So happy to have you. We have producer Moose here, and because uh, therapist Lisa and also Pastor John Moreland are out today, you've invited one of your pastory friends. <laughs> pastory friends, Great yes. Pastory. Pastor John Bernie's uh, joined me on the show when you were at Hippie Camp back in August, and then he's joined us uh, once or twice uh, yeah. since then, and just, you know. Glad to have somebody great in the uh, you know on deck circle to fill in and join us on on the good news for therapy Tuesday. So with me and John in the in the studio, I wonder who's actually the expert on therapy here. That's <laughs> a good question. That's a really good question. It's hilarious. <laughs> and you so you guys met years ago? Yeah, I used to work at a church over in uh, Littleton, and he happened to be on staff, and uh, that's where the bromance started. That's where the magic Ooh. occurred. Bromance. We have it's a date hilarious. later. They're choking. All right. So, um, uh, it's so funny because when I used to joke on TV and I would like call my co anchor like Orville Redenbacher because he wore a bow tie. And then people read him, I think that was very cruel of you. They would insinuate that your co anchor looks like Orville Redenbacher. I'm like, it's called a joke, people. We are joking. That's an insult to popcorn everywhere. (laughs) I I love that popcorn. I'll never eat it again. I'm so ashamed of you. All right. A couple things that I want to talk about just off the top before we get into our good news. A couple of things I saw. I hate abuse of power. I hate when people who all of a sudden get a little power and they're like, I'm going to take it out on you. Now, there's an American Airlines video that's going viral, and it has to do with a woman that allegedly didn't hear the male flight attendant uh, tell her to sit down. And I know these flight attendants, believe me, I'm on the flight attendant side 99% of the time because there are a lot of jerks on these planes. But I feel like they're just ready to like boil over because they've been offended so many times that when I think this male flight attendant just snapped. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was allegedly, according to the people who shot the video and what you can hear the comments being made in the viral video, the woman supposedly didn't hear him and she said he was rude to her. So she's in her chair and a female flight attendant comes up and says, you're going to need to leave the plane. Now, leaving a plane to me has got to be a pretty big deal. Your dogs are loose. You're cursing. You're calling people bad names. You're drunk. You're, you know, I'm just saying something or not hearing something or maybe even making a comment that's not that nice. That's not grounds for removal. Well, what was, what did the male flight attendant say? What what didn't she hear? she, She supposedly did not hear him say to sit down. So all I saw was the aftermath. What happened was And I feel he may have just snapped and taken it out on her because when they came to her, all of the other um, passengers that had seen it were on her side. Now, you know passengers, if you're a jerk, they want you off the plane. Mm -hmm. And they were saying she didn't hear, and she was saying I didn't hear him, and she's bawling by this time. And really handling, she's very embarrassed, she's handling herself very well, and she's crying, saying I didn't hear him, ma'am, you didn't see it, and all they just keep repeating, I'll bring the police in if you don't leave. And other passengers are like, she didn't do anything, or she didn't say anything. This is terrible, American Airlines, this is terrible what you're doing, no one's going to want to fly anywhere boo boo and all the passengers are booing them for removing her now you know if she'd been a real jerk the passengers would have sided with the flight attendants what i think is that he abused his power he got mad 
and they have that power to remove someone. I think he went to the front, and when your anger boils boils over, Mm -hmm. and I'll bet you he regrets it now because they got her on a flight immediately, and now it's a bad PR thing, and he'll probably be in trouble. So what I see this as, as sometimes our temper gets the best of us, and we overreact, and now his job will probably be in danger because I think he overreacted. That's And you know who I go by? The passengers who booed him. Yeah. Of course. Public opinion and, like, you know, the mass majority rules a lot of times. And I've, you know, with my DJing stuff and whatnot, I've been in a lot of bars and venues where I see, you know, a waitress come on and they slowly make their way up their ranks or quickly make their way up their ranks. And as soon as they're given a place of power, they are a totally different person. And then, like, the underlings fall apart because their leadership isn't strong. And um, there's a difference between leadership and management. And, and you can be different... in management without leadership, and that's where people don't follow you. I think you're right. And if you um, – um, one of my bosses, you know, Tim Moranville, was a servant leader. Like he really got your opinion and believed in you and had confidence in you. And I've had a lot of great bosses like that. And then I've had some ho- just horrible bosses that demoralized you and criticized you. And one thing I just want to say, and, and then Pastor John, you can jump in here. I want people to know as Christians, people are always watching us, and they are watching to see how we behave when we get angry. They're watching to see how we treat people. They're watching to see how we speak when people aren't watching or how we talk to our kids. They are watching us. And if you, if people know you are a Christian, you have to know that you are setting an example as a Christian. And I just think that we need to watch our tempers. I don't, I have known nothing about this flight attendant, but I'm saying people are watching. Right. Yeah. And I think it's hard because people will make a judgment about all flight attendants based on that one incident or a Christian based on one incident. But that's when our character shows. And and it also shows after the fact. And so if you realize you've done something wrong, you realize bad day or whatever, you lost your temper, you lashed out. And we do this as parents, you know, how do you respond later? And, you know, I was wrong. I, you know, seek forgiveness, those kinds of things. And how you respond to that incident is extremely important. And speaking of, you know, kids, um, you know, they're always watching. And I just did an interview today um, with one of the, the uh, parenting experts that uh, joins us a lot, uh, 31 Days to a Happy Mom, um, Arlene Pellicane. Mm-hmm. And she said, Angie, there's good guilt and there's bad guilt. Right. Bad guilt right. is feeling that you're not a worthy parent. You don't spend enough time. You know, um, you wish you could make the best cupcakes. Why can't you volunteer at school? We didn't sell any Boy Scout popcorn this year. And I'm like overwrought with guilt because my son was sick. And I'm like writing letters to all the Boy Scout ones. When the email comes out, we sold $0 and Billy sold one thousand dollars worth of popcorn that my son was sick and that's why and I'm like making excuses because I feel guilty that we didn't sell any caramel corn yeah you know but he was sick and people be honest with you we're overly busy so with that said when you the, she says that's bad guilt thinking that you need to be the perfect parent she said the good guilt Angie is just what Pastor John just said the good guilt is you realize you made a mistake you feel guilty and you go back and apologize to your kids and I'm not saying put them in the position of power let them know we're human and we make mistakes and we don't want them to um to follow that bad example that we set earlier with anger right right and you know proverbs reminds us in in proverbs uh 22 a good name is more desirable than great riches and and those are the moments we make a name good or bad well lately like sailor who's three has been discovering emotions and understanding what they mean and um there's been times when you know we get mad at her and realize that it wasn't good for us to be mad and we go and apologize yes and that's how she's realizing what mad means because the other day my wife snapped at her and it wasn't a good snap and then sailor said oh mom 
you're mad at me. I'm sorry. And that just broke my wife. Because oh, yeah. she's now realizing Isn't it what it's funny it means when to they're more mad. mature than we are. Yeah. When we've taught them so well that they call us out at right. three. She's like, I'm I made you mad. I'm sorry. And my wife just lost it. And she's just like, How how wise are you to call me on that? And she's just apologizing, like, Do you want ice cream? Let's go. Everybody deserves that. Come on, ice cream for everybody. <laughs> ice cream. We call it a dairy queen trip. Yeah. You know, like the okay, I, I have to just say too, you were talking about the motives sometimes behind things. Yes. Mm. Um, one of the bloggers, it's a grandma, she wants to teach unconditional love. And she's uh, st- raising her grandkids now or taking care of them. And uh, she said to me, you need to look at their, okay, when you get mad at a kid, what was their motive behind it? Like when my girlfriend's daughter tried to wash her car and she used some kind of a nail polishy stuff and sprayed it all over the brand new car. She was trying to do something nice. So I'm not saying she doesn't still get in trouble, but before you completely lose it, she was trying to do something sweet. And one of the other um, the examples she uses is that this blogger, Darla, this grandma, she takes a bunch of kids to the old folks' home and they're singing to the old folks at Christmas time. Isn't that sweet? Wouldn't every senior love that? Apparently not. Yeah. Because when they finish singing, a little old lady goes, well, thank goodness that's over. Can you turn up Wheel of Fortune? <laughs> and so the kids were like, the kids said, wow, that was so mean. Did she mean that? And she said, we have to think about our kids that way, that that little old lady, um, she wasn't looking at like their, their, their behind that annoyance really was a love and a caring and a kindness behind, you know, her not being able to see Wheel of Fortune to look really at their motive when they do something. And Joel Osteen, which some people love and some people don't, he used a great example of his son, um, after he'd washed this classic car, his son went and washed it. Well, his son was little and of course it was a mess. So rather than you know, going off on his son, I think we forget to look at what's behind it sometimes, and we just jump to yell at them. Right, like, you know, Toby just started walking last week, and he is you know, in love with his older sister, and we'll see, like, the him topple over and hit his head and think that, oh, Sailor, you pushed him on. But no, she was just trying to give him a hug. Like, I'll see from one side, and my wife will see him, she'll see the hug, I'll see the topple, right. and her arms out, right. and thinking that she just pushed, pushed my him. son over. And really, she's trying to hug him. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's yeah. a great example. That is a great example. Okay, one other thing I came across today um, that I really thought, and Moose, I know you'll agree with this, and John, as a pastor, I know you're not getting a million-dollar salary, so um, (laughs) I I came across uh, the lost art of cheap entertainment. I love this, Mm. because Moose and I, and I think Jorge's with us in this one, we are the kings and queens of family cheap entertainment. I mean, you can find so many things to do that don't cost any money, and really, and Jorge's laughing, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah, because... A lot of things like, okay, Disney World, for instance, not many families can really afford that. Let's be honest. That's like, if you fly down there, we're talking like 10 grand yeah. to go to Disney World right. and stay and go and get the tickets. So I just love the idea when I came across the article, The Lost Art of Cheap or you know Free Entertainment. There's so many things you can do to get creative. You do it all the time, well, Moose. I tell Annabelle that my favorite number is free. <laughs> oh, I love that number. That's that Bates, good. too, because she can't say her R's or her T's. Free. And, you know, with uh, Terry Fisher being a great friend of ours, she always has great fun things for us to do. But Music. And, and yeah, so we hunt that down. There's websites. Like, if you're outside of the Denver market, you can always, you know, Google free things to do in your market. But Denver, there's free things to do in Denver.com. And there's lists of all the like, stuff at parks and a um, whole bunch of other crazy things. And sometimes we just um, take a day and go play tourist. Because, right. you know, you're in your city that. and there's 
times where you just take things for granted. You never do it. Like when we lived in Atlanta, there's all these great things that, you know, people say, oh, I've never been there, like the world of Coke. And like you've lived in Atlanta your whole life and you've never done sort of things. So to enjoy our city, we go and play tourist. And sometimes there's free things or sometimes there's cheap things or there's things that we want to do. We'll save up for it. And then that way, like if it's something we work hard for, it's that much more enjoyable. And, you know, my sister came over yesterday for dinner and we're talking about, hey, what do you want to do for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? And we're now, now that we all have kids and are getting older, we don't want stuff. We want memories. So now we've decided, you know, as a family, we're all going to go up to YMCA, the Rockies, and spend uh, some good time up there to create memories, not just like, hey, I want this movie or give me this toy. Because, you know, people give my kids crap all the time. Experiences, not things. And, you know, we go up to YMCA, the Rockies three to four times a year and that's like our family place that's our cabin since we don't have one and we go up at christmas time with everyone in the family yeah. from toddlers all the way up to seniors and the pictures and the memories we have you had a huge are just crew unbelievable. last year yeah i think we had a dozen like we usually have like 12 to 14 people and we get several rooms or you can get a cabin okay so a couple that i just came across were just you know and i forget about these myself like going up to red rocks or if you're mm-hmm. listening in birmingham or portland whatever your cool thing is i remember in portland we used to go to the omsi museum and the zoo because they have an incredible zoo but with that said there are free days here in denver for sure at the zoo at the museum of nature and science and right now the family membership we get a discount for museum of nature and science i think it's like it's under 100 i think it's 60 or 70 something and so i'm buying that in fact i have to give myself a reminder because my deadline the 31st (laughs) and we go there in the winter like five or six times if you multiply that out yes it does cost you the 70 bucks now but they have like a children's museum there now it's a whole day you can be there and they learn so much and they love it also the denver mint you can go and find out how to make you know like money um frisbee golf we go play catch a lot we um with a you know the softball baseball gloves and stuff just outdoor fun family activities we do family walks at least once a week and for those of you who haven't discovered it yet you'll uh, lose a lot of time when you discover pinterest and and pinterest has a lot of uh, activities you can do as a family Uh, one thing i never thought to do because i didn't do it with my family was crafts like what you do at uh, bible school so we've sit around and like at uh, Costco and other places. There's big old tubs of craft stuff. Yeah. So we just get together and like we make whole, crafts. You can get the whole tub for like fifteen bucks. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like I'm a 31 year old man and I'm making crafts I made when I was in <laughs> kindergarten. It's, it's freaking so amazing. So fun. And at Christmas time, we also do a lot of homemade ornaments and we get the mm-hmm. clay yes. and we make. You know, it's so much fun. Or beading. You know, with all the generations, it is so much fun. Yep, and we went to we just went out to Golden on Saturday and, and walked through that little historical park there, and my kids made candles and all that kind of stuff. And it I've never done that. See, there's yeah. so many things that you haven't done. Yep, and it's you know it's it's donation or or whatever. It's super cheap. We just did the Dinosaur Ridge uh, Dinosaur oh, yeah. Footprints. That yes. was cool. I'd never done that. I mean, I lived. I went to you know Fairview High School. I lived here most of my life, and I have not done that. There's just lots of things, regardless of what city you live in. And like Moose said, there are all these websites about free, fun things to do, and you can become a tourist. So anyway, I just love the whole idea of experiences, not things for your kids. Right. All right. There we go. I feel really good now. Like, From flight like, attendants to free stuff with your yeah. family. I, I'm yeah. glad that our therapy can help you out. That's right. Yeah. There you go. Therapy Tuesday, right? Well, I have to say that I just I hope that when the kids get a little bit older that they still enjoy doing the family stuff as much because they're, you know, 10, 8, and 6. And when I wave goodbye to them this morning, I'm out. You guys are going to laugh. Okay, so I say goodbye to them, right? And I have another radio show, so I take a quick break to, like, you know, maybe comb their hair. And my mom takes them to school. So it was cold, so I put on their one. Wonder Woman towel over, <laughs> so I'm in the Wonder Woman towel with the hood, and um, and I'm in the driveway. How'd your son feel about that one? Um, Wonder Woman. <laughs> uh, they were they were all yeah really. Um, 
And what I do then is as they start to pull away further, I have to run like over to the neighbor's um, driveway to keep waving because that's like my thing is I, they go out of I, I run as far as I can to keep waving until they're gone. And all of their arms, you know, all of their arms are coming out of the windows and whatever waving. That's their thing, you know, that they love. And I was like, oh, I, I better soak this in because, you know, this isn't going to last that much longer. And another interview I did recently that really, you know, like we'll take snippets, Moose, out of the interviews that really stick with us. Yes. And she said, Angie, um, you know, we, did, we have magical moments now every day. I ask the kid their magical moment. And that they get so much. I was saying, well, what, can you, what are God's fingerprints on your day? And they're like, what? Where have his finger? God has fingerprints. How big are his hands? Like they didn't quite, you know, get that. <laughs> right. And then, um, then I have them do the golden list, but it's always the same. It's like I appreciate mom, I appreciate dad. You know, what are you grateful for? So we do the golden list, and that's a great way to stop a fight in the car. Okay, time for the golden list, and then they stop fighting. But the magical moment, I get really cool answers, and they pick some cool, interesting, neat thing out of there. Like the other night, I was at a charity event. And Riley sat with a friend of mine who's in her seventies, and they sat together for like an hour, and that was his magical moment. Miss Sandy that he got to spend time with her and he said uh, Miss Sandy said that I should keep in touch and I thought that was super cute <laughs> that you know that you know keep in touch you know what are you going to email her you know <laughs> and so I just what this woman taught me she said Angie in order to have magical moments and to observe them you need to disconnect to connect and so disconnecting from whether it be work or your computer texting looking at things on you know on pinterest or whatever your facebook you have to disconnect from those things to connect with your family and your friends and your colleagues to have magical moments mm -hmm. that yeah and i think you know one of the things that's kind of similar to that 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 i've kind of picked up is is there's you know people talk about well it's not quantity time it's quality time and i always go you know, it's both and not because you can't have quality time if you don't have a quantity of time. Yeah. And usually you find the quality of time within the quantity of time. Yeah. And so disconnecting is part of that and being able to connect for a quantity of time. And then you find those moments, those magical moments that you're talking about. I think they're super wonderful, those magical moments. Yeah, if I'm at home, I'm a dad. I'm not still an employee. So I try to... Um, Unless it's an extreme emergency, I won't email, or if my kids are awake, yeah, I won't be on my about phone. That. I always know that Moose will reply to me right in the morning. Like, if I had to get him, I'm sure I could text him and say, have an emergency question, and he'd probably reply. But I just know, I know exactly when he'll reply. It'll be right away in the morning, but he will, and I don't have to worry about it, mm -hmm. you know, because he's with his family or his other job. Yeah, and one of the things that... Just depending on the time, seasons of life, one of the things I've done is checking email. If I check my email at night, I'll only read subject lines and just to oh, see if there's something too. urgent no, that I, I need that to respond too. to. But if there's not something urgent, then I just I don't open them until the next day. That's good. Or we you know what I do if I do have to glance at it, but I don't have time to respond or I don't want to get too involved. I resend it to myself so it's a fresh email. <laughs> oh, yeah. I usually just click like click mark as unread and so oh, I'll come back to well, that'd be a lot easier then wouldn't it <laughs> okay well that's good to know since i resend emails to myself all night long all right save yourself right. some time yeah good to know good to know love that love that well i i took a picture this morning speaking of that magical moment my magical moment of the day besides saying goodbye to them was uh my husband doesn't want the girls to sleep in the same room and i said honey it's actually uh, they have their own rooms, but I said they, they've been bonding more since they've been sleeping in the same room because they feel so grateful to have a friend. Mm -hmm. And so um, they've actually been getting closer and playing better. And so this morning I went in their room and I took this picture of them, which I'm going to show you guys. Aww, and they're sleeping and holding hands. Yep. And that's kind of 
new for them to like each other that much because they bicker a lot, my three kids. And so I said to Hope in the morning, I said, do you guys hold hands when you go to sleep? And she said, yes. I said, "Um, whose idea is that? Do you like say, do you want to hold hands? She goes, no, it's mine. I just grab her hand. Hope's eight and she's real loving. And Faith's like a tomboy, like she's six and like (laughs) in your face with my basketball, you know? And so the fact that Hope reaches over and gives her love and holds her hand, I think is super sweet. Yeah, that is pretty cute. That's my magic. Saw that on Facebook this morning. Oh. Oh, so Isn't that sweet. sweet? I love it that they like each other now. Yeah. It's like new. That's I hope new. that sticks on with Mike. For, yeah. for a little longer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Seasons. When we, when we get back, we are going to share some actual good news. Pastor John Byrne is here and also uh, producer Moose will be right back with the good news. We know that God loves us and he gave his son for us. This is where love lives. 810 KLVZ. It's harvest time at the farm. The 13th annual fall festival at Denver Rescue Mission's Harvest Farm. The whole family can enjoy a traditional corn maze. As well as a petting zoo and hay wagon rides from 10 to 9 on Fridays and Saturdays. And noon to 7 on Sundays. All new this season is Fright Free Family Day. Where the gross and gory can stay at home. There will be costume contests, peanut-free trick-or-treating, and more. Proceeds from the festival will help the New Life Program at Harvest Farm, an outreach of Denver Rescue Mission. This program has been helping men overcome homelessness and addiction so they can return to society as productive and self-sufficient citizens. Join in on the fun every weekend in October. Opening weekend is October 2nd, 3rd, and 4th with discounted tickets at just $10. Tickets and all the details can be found at harvestfarm.net slash fallfestival. Denver Rescue Mission, changing lives in the name of Christ. Denver Rescue Mission's Fall Festival happening weekends in October. Hi, it's Angie. Would you like to have a bigger business or grow your nonprofit and make more money for your charity? I would love to help you. If you like the good news, if you believe in what we do, we work with our sponsors personally. And I have friendships. I know everyone that works on the good news as an advertiser myself. And so I would love to help you build your business. And I would love to have you help support the good news if you enjoy it. And I love to work with nonprofits, as you know. So please contact me if you have questions. And News at gmail.com. Again, it's News at gmail.com if you'd like to partner with the good news. When achieving your dreams is a bit more difficult than you thought, Infinite Nation is here to help. Carrie Conley is the co-creator of Infinite Nation, and she knows that when your vision is big enough, you can create infinite success. Go to InfiniteNation.com to learn more about the upcoming Vision is Victory workshop on August 27th and get your tickets. During this all-day event, Carrie will teach you how easy it is to get yourself on the right path to making your big dreams a reality. She will show you how to reconnect with and clarify your vision and create measurable and achievable goals for the short and long-term success. If you are unable to attend the Vision is Victory event on August 27th, you can still make your dreams a reality by requesting a free Vision Check phone call with Carrie Conley. She will help you discover how easy it is to get yourself on the journey to achieve your dreams. Call 720-331-8693. 720-331-8693. And go to InfiniteNation.com. His love expressed for us right here on 810 KLVZ, where love lives. 
Welcome back to the good news. Pastor John Byrne filling in for Pastor John Moreland, therapist Lisa off, and producer Moose filling in for therapist Lisa. I'll start talking my New York. Can you believe that they've, we've been doing the segment with those two for over three years That's now? That's crazy. It's been fun. She says this this is her laughter of like the week that she likes nice. to come in and laugh. And she joins you on your other show, and yes. so it's you know, great to have therapist Lisa, but her son's out of school for two weeks, so she's hanging out and having some family time. Oh, how fun to have a kid off for two weeks. I love vacations mm-hmm. to plan all those fun family things. In fact, my mother-in-law is coming out for um, fall break. He's grandpa. And my husband and my son, they're taking a three-generation grandpa trip to Moab because grandpa oh. rebuilt this Jeep. So grandpa spent like five years in his garage, you know, like a decade ago, rebuilding this like monster Jeep. And so the three of them are going to Moab. And then so I was going to take the girls to Disneyland and to go see family in California. So then grandma called me. And she's like, hi, I was wondering if um, you could not go to Disneyland and stay home. And then I could come out too and see the girls, and I'm like, oh, guilt, and like, oh, I want to get dizzy. <laughs> and so I said, um, um, I'm thinking of compromise, compromise, think of a compromise. And I said, well, yeah, we could stay, but could we do something fun? Because I'm taking the week off too. And she goes, well, we can go to Target and stuff. And uh, <laughs> and I'm like, Target or Disneyland? No offense, Target. I think to my wife, that is almost her Disneyland. <laughs> is it? So then we worked at a compromise. Um, I'm taking Faith to California to see relatives. My nephew plays football, and I'm real close to him yep. and really want to make it a point to be in his life because my brother's not in his life so I, I really think it's important that he sees gets that love from our side of the family and I'm taking Grand Grand my mom mm-hmm. and so Faith Grand Grand and myself and then I'm leaving Hope with Grandma D and Grandma D spoils Hope rotten Nice. So they're redoing her room and doing all these things, and they'll have a great trip to Target, you know. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I believe. Do you get dressed up for that trip? Is that like, no. is there anything special? You got a no. backpack or? Target doesn't have mouse ears. I don't think. <laughs> well, just don't wear khakis and a red shirt, or else everybody <laughs> right. will be asking. Oh, is that what happens when you go in there in khakis and a red shirt? Well, they ask I have you a, questions. I have a bright blue polo and khakis, and that's what they wear at the King Best Supers. Buy. At the oh, King and Supers King Supers by my house. <laughs> and so, like, I'm walking through doing my groceries, and people are asking me where this net is, and like. Dang it. I should not wear this. <laughs> Never so, wear that. So to I the told store. Annabelle, I said, FYI, don't let me wear this at the store ever again. That is hilarious. They're all asking, you know where the mustard is? Excuse me, sir, <laughs> sir. Uh, all right, love that. All right, so compromise. Yeah, I just couldn't, I couldn't bear to leave grandma without a kid at home, you know? Yeah. And believe me, she'll spoil my hope so much that hope oh, won't yeah. even miss Disneyland. Well, there Seriously. You go. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, this is a cool story. Uh, we're kind of doing good news backwards today because we talked so much the first segment. And uh, Moose and Pastor John Byrne both found this same story, which I totally love. First of all, I'm a huge fan of teachers. And this teacher lives in a neighborhood that's um, the school is a not so hot neighborhood. Yeah. And so we started walking these kids home. Before we play it, what struck you about this story that you wanted to share, Pastor John? You know, I just love the idea that that the teacher recognized a need in the community and just found a way to meet that need maybe couldn't meet it for everyone as a matter of fact later teachers kind of came on board but but found a way to meet it and i think that's just a great perspective as we see needs in our communities and we see needs in different places rather than just going oh wow that's too that's bad. too bad they found finding something to do and going i can help in a, in a particular way at least in see a, a need way. fill a need yeah, and that's say. that whole yeah. question behind the question when we have john miller come on the qbq guy yeah. he says 
stop saying, you know, oh, it's too bad. I wish they'd do something about it. why isn't the school, you know, hire right. someone to walk the kids home or to help, you know, protect them or make them safe. He says, you, what can I do to solve the problem? Mm-hmm. How can we be a fixer, not, yes. you know, a problem solver, not a problem maker? I always tell my kids that, and they're so sick of it. They go, I know, I know, we're problem solvers. <laughs> we're not problem makers. I'm like, well, that's a problem right there, your tone. Right, right. exactly. <laughs> Fix <laughs> that one. Solve that one. Problem or part of the solution. Yeah. Right. Okay, so take a look listening to what this teacher did. And by the way, this isn't just a couple of kids he helps walk home through the dangerous neighborhood. It's a lot of kids. It's yeah. like 40, a pack yeah. of kids, 40 kids. And now he's gotten other teachers to help him too. And they develop relationships on these walks home. It's not an area many would choose to walk alone in. Frazier gets a lot of bad press, but like I have never felt unsafe. I smile and look every single person that I walk by in the eye and they reciprocate. But Carl Schneider, a special education teacher at Whitney Achievement Elementary School, started a small effort making big waves in that neighborhood. More and more people started like screenshotting it and texting it to me or tagging me on it in Facebook. A parent sent us this picture of Schneider walking students home from school. He's been doing it for all three years he's been there. He now has four other teachers helping him walk the 40 kids home. We can just get to know the kids and talk about what they did over the weekend or how their behavior was at school that day or what they learned. When we started to launch the school, we recognized that there was a need in community uh, for children to be able to get home safely. Principal Deborah Broughton told me there are 200 students there who walk nearly two miles home every day. This not only assures kids get home safe, but it creates a relationship beyond the teacher-student formalities. When you build healthy relationships uh, with students, with parents, with partners in the community, that's how transformation really takes place. This is just a part of my routine, and it's something that I look forward to, so I was kind of surprised. Um, But at the same time, I'm also really glad that people know that the teachers in this community are really invested in the community. I love that story. Teachers invest in the community more than teachers just invested in test scores. Yeah, and yes. did you hear that the two miles? Can you imagine? your How old are your kids? I have a 10-year-old and a 16-year-old. Okay. Now, 16-year-old, yeah, walk sure, two miles. Sure, But my kids are 10, 6, and 8. Right. I said that really weird, didn't I? Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> 8 and 10. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I have dyslexia, Moose. Uh, we always joke that Moose has dyslexia, and that's why he's so organized, because he doubled and triple checks everything. Okay, so um, what I, lo- I would not let my kid walk home two miles, but think about these poor single moms, mm-hmm. and they don't have any right. choice but to let their poor kid, you know, like imagine a six- or eight-year-old girl walking two miles home alone. That just frightens me right now talking about it. So that teacher is walking four miles after school, two out for the furthest kids away and two back. He's getting some exercise and above all developing great relationships because I was thinking during that clip, thinking about the best teachers I had growing up and those were the ones that connected with me more than just on a teaching level. One that wanted to get to know me, ones that, you know, my parents befriended and ones that could connect to me more than just, you know, here's your grades. I agree. It would be interesting to look and, you know, I don't know what the results would be, but at the test scores that these kids have because I think there is that that phrase you know people don't know or care what you know until they know how much you care and I think there's an aspect to that where these relationships are built but then I bet I would bet that shows it, itself in the classroom as well I you know I wouldn't doubt it because also I think when you really uh, 
when a teacher admires and respects you and you admire and respect that teacher back, you want to impress that teacher. You don't want to let them down. And my daughter, just the other day, um, she had this like six-page homework packet. And the teacher had initially said, you know what, work on her math facts. You don't have to do the packets anymore. But then I saw there were things in the packet that I really thought she could learn about homonyms and synonyms and other things I didn't want her to miss out on. So I said, you know what, Hope, let's get back to doing these packets in addition to practicing math facts. And she so wanted to impress her teacher because it was due the next day that she did the whole week's homework in one night to impress her because she likes her so much. Right. And, you know, my nephew's in junior high and he's having a hard, like math is his best subject, but his math teacher this year is just does not connect with anybody on a personal level. So it's very hard for him and he hates it. He hates what he loves just because the teacher there just is not very friendly. Gosh, is there anything we can do that can get him excited? Oh, math games. Yeah. There's a really cool new math game I'm going to show you that I found that one of those GoFundMe sites started and it's supposedly all the reviews under it were like mind-blowing. Cool. All right. Yeah, because I've been doing math games with my kids because they don't like math like your nephew does, and they beg to play this sum something. It's like Candyland with subtraction nice. and addition. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can add candy um, with <laughs> math, I mean, come on, you know? Right, absolutely. No, and but I, I love what you say about, you know, wanting to impress the teacher and that kind of thing. You know, even as I think back about high school and all those things, the teachers that I loved – I did better and I wasn't a good student, Isn't but true? you know, I did better in those classes because I enjoyed the teacher. Yes. I love that. Because it's like another, it's almost a um, parental relationship on some levels and you don't want like teachers you don't really connect with like, I'll do the assignment if I right. suck at it, whatever, I'll explain it to my parents. But if one that's like another level of, okay, this is people I have to impress because I care about them. Right. Right. And, um, my uh, teachers I loved the most were the ones that uh, I did, had for performing arts. And so they're ones like I wanted to challenge myself because they challenged me and I didn't want to let them down. Right. Yeah. If you're just a test score in the grade book to them, yeah. then, you know, why, why care? Especially if you have, which is, I think, likely in this particular neighborhood, you know, home life's not great. You know, maybe it's a single mom and there, there is no dad in the picture and there's mom's working all the time or dysfunction, dysfunction. Right. And so who are you wanting to impress and please? And, you know, sometimes that's tough. But, and but that might be their, their their parental figure, the teacher or the person that they, you know, learn values and morals and right and wrong from. And it's a rough neighborhood. And so with these kids growing up with this love of the teacher and love of their parents, they can revitalize it and, you know, maybe change the neighborhood for the better, just like what's going on in Buffalo. Yeah, and that's the next story we're going to share. And one, one other thing I just wanted to add in there. For me, school was an escape because mm-hmm. my family life was so um, chaotic. Right. And so I excelled at school because that's where I'd get recognition and that's where I could get like positive attention for excelling. So I found it to be an escape. So I really bonded with my teachers. Right. Yeah, it was help- very helpful. All right, so this next one, as Moose was just mentioning, we call it uh, Buffalo Native, but it doesn't even truly give you the depth of the... Uh, the coolness of this story. First of all, the girl's in her 20s. She's just graduated from school in L.A. She moves back to Buffalo, where she's from in New York, and she sees that a lot of these neighborhoods are dilapidated, the homes are uh, run down, and she's like, wow, how could I just clean these up? Some of them were as cheap as a dollar. Like, they just, they're abandoned, and they need a lot of work. And she's thinking, how can I spruce these up and put some pride back in uh, my neighborhood, in my town, but also give people, families who are hurting, a reasonable rent? Um, But she didn't know anything about, what I love about it, she dove right in. She didn't know about taxes and real estate and, you know, commissions and a, a grout. She didn't know anything yes. about grout. How do I grout about them? <laughs> yes. And so she just dove right in and learned to do these things. But now she's getting other people, as you hear later in the story, other young people to, do, to, to, to dive right in to make a difference. Take a listen. 
When I moved back to Buffalo, I really wanted to get involved in real estate. We have had a, such a decline over the last 50 years. You know, you walk down the street and, and you can see houses that are vacant that are literally for sale for $1. So for me, it made sense to invest my time, my energy, and my love into Buffalo, New York. Buffalo needs help. We've been a city that's declined, that's now on the rise. I thought to myself, well, how can I get involved in saving, being in real estate, saving these old houses, um, helping the community uh, become stronger, uh, more stable, more sustainable. So I started Buffalo Development in 2012. Our focus with Buffalo Development is buying vacant or underutilized properties and renovating them. I'm really driven by creating affordable quality housing. I have to do the right thing. You know, I have to renovate a house properly and think about it long term and rent it to good people for an affordable price. Isn't that totally cool? There's more. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I like renting it to good people for an affordable price as opposed to, hey, I can actually make money off of these people who are desperate. Like she seems to have a real heart. Yes. You know, and her name's Bernice Rattle. And she started, you're going to hear in a minute. This is, I love the play on words. I love it. You know what a geek I am. She started Buffalo. Get it to the Buffalo. <laughs> she had Buffalo Development. And so she said you can walk down the street and see houses that were once vacant. And now they're all spruced up. And like just that pride, you know? Because mm-hmm. think about when I think of Detroit, I think of how can you have uh, hope when you live in burned out neighborhoods with abandoned buildings, you know? How can you have hope? Right. But people are like diehard Detroit people. Like they live, breathe, and Lead and Detroit. same thing with Buffalo. Yep. And so I love it that she came back from LA to do this. Or right, listen, listen to part two. You know, I, I bought a couple of houses on one block, and just by painting them and investing a little love and time and care into them, we've seen the neighborhood completely change. I'm asked a lot for advice for you know what can young professionals do to make their mark in their community, and I think sometimes if you think about it too much, you just won't do it. When I started Buffalo Development, I didn't know how to grout a tub. I didn't know how to deal with taxes and financing, but I did it. I like telling people, jump in and take a risk. And I love the idea of, um, if you think about it too much, you won't do it. And it reminds me of people in their calling. They're like in the lazy boy of life. And they're like, well, I'm just waiting for my calling. And <laughs> I'm hoping Jesus will let me know what my calling is because I'm wondering what my calling is. You have to actually dive in a little. Right, right. Start something. Feet wet and get momentum because a body at rest will stay at rest, an object in motion will stay in motion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what's great about this story is that it's not just about meeting a need, it's also about her providing a living for her her and hers. And she's able to do both at the same time. I love that. I love the combination of like philanthropy and a business. Yes. You know? Something that everybody involved can take joy in. Yes. All right. There's a part three. And again, I love it that she's, because we think of 20 somethings, no offense, Muthi, now you're 30. So we (laughs) old. A little bit. But we think of 20 somethings oftentimes as like, you know, I'm entitled. I'm just waiting for my check. You know, I live in my parents' basement. But not all of them are like that. There are a lot of great teenagers and a lot of great young people. And she's getting other people involved. Bernice is known for taking a lot of chances in Buffalo, and I think she's spreading the message of that, which is why we moved here. We just wanted to take a chance on some place, and I feel like Buffalo's taking a chance back on everyone that moves here, so I think that she's kind of leading the charge on that. I also helped start a group called Buffalo's Young Preservationists. Buffalo's Young Preservationists is basically a group of 120-something-year-olds that want to help the community through real estate, through preservation and cleaning up streets and planting flowers and things like that. 
Every year the momentum builds and more people want to buy and more people want to renovate and they want to be here in this neighborhood, in the community, doing things. I love what I do and it's been really great to really see my work, helping the community, but also just working within the community, working with all of these great people. I'm inspired every day by the people I'm around. I don't think I could do anything else. A hundred something 20 year olds. When I think of that, I think of like a rave or like they're, a, <laughs> they're at one of those brew, you know, like those, um, what are those, those beer walks? What do yeah. they call those? Pub crawl. The pub crawl. Pub That's crawl. what I think of. I think of a pub crawl. <laughs> I don't think of a bunch of 20 something year olds cleaning up neighborhoods. I think that is so fantastic. Yeah. And there's like, they're Buffalo. There are people who just, and it grows and has momentum and people are just uh, on fire for revitalizing their city because who wants to live down in the dumps if they can do something about it? I love right. it. And she, and it's not just, and the cool thing is it's not just a house that she bought and revitalized. It's, it's an entire community, entire neighborhood that she's, you know, taking a responsibility in revitalizing the whole area. Well, and who would think that one 20 something girl who just graduated from school in LA, moving back to Buffalo could start a movement like that. And again, it's that whole one person can make a difference. The power of one mm-hmm. that we talk a lot uh, on the show about because a lot of people think they can't make a difference. And that is so powerful to me. And it's amazing that, you know, she does this in effort to like bring life back to the community as opposed to I'm a big name developer. I'm going to breathe life into right. this community for the almighty dollar. This yeah. is like more heartfelt than head felt and money felt. So, And honestly, you know, churches need to need to pay attention to this. Right, exactly. you know? yeah. yes. no, we need you. to be, the, be about the community. How yeah. can we serve? Who can we partner with? What can we do? And one thing I think that we um, that we're going to have an interview on pretty soon about a little boy um, who is uh, nine years old, uh, Kylan. And he is uh, he started a business to support a boy in um, Africa. I think churches are um, missing out on the idea of like, can we provide a service that we actually charge for? Can the church actually do things where they might get paid and then donate, like take donations for whatever it is they do and then use that money for good? Right. I really think there could be something to that. So churches back are... in the, the community helping support the community. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I like that idea. Hey, Carrie Connolly is coming up next and we are going to talk to her about achieving your dreams, Pastor John Byrne of Grace Fellowship of Lakewood. Do you have a website for us? www.gfol.org. You seem old when you do the www. You don't <laughs> do have I? to. I don't no, do that anymore. Leave that www off. Everyone knows it's www. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> This is where love lives. 810 KLVZ. It's harvest time at the farm. The 13th annual fall festival at Denver Rescue Mission's Harvest Farm. The whole family can enjoy a traditional corn maze. As well as a petting zoo and hay wagon rides from 10 to 9 on Fridays and Saturdays. And noon to 7 on Sundays. All new this season is Fright Free Family Day. Where the gross and gory can stay at home. There will be costume contests. Peanut free trick or treating and more. Proceeds from the festival will help the New Life Program at Harvest Farm, an outreach of Denver Rescue Mission. This program has been helping men overcome homelessness and addiction so they can return to society as productive and self-sufficient citizens. Join in on the fun every weekend in October. Opening weekend is October 2nd, 3rd, and 4th with discounted tickets at just $10. Tickets and all the details can be found at harvestfarm.net slash fallfestival. Denver Rescue Mission, changing lives in the name of Christ. Denver Rescue Mission's Fall Festival happening weekends in October. 
Do you ever feel like you're just searching for a church and you just can't find the right one? Well, I must have looked for about 10 years. I have to tell you, I've never been so excited to go to church. I feel that Pastor John Moreland, my pastor, that's you, John, um, has a real gift for teaching. And there's so much love in that church. And I've never felt more welcome. And I have to tell you, Pastor Moreland, I just... I, I love going to church now. I learn something every week, and, I, and I, I just feel so blessed by you. It makes me cry. Well, I'm humbled to hear you say that. Denver Christian Bible Church is about two things. One, we want to make genuine connections with people, and two, we want to genuinely connect those people to Jesus. Thursday night, we connect. You can go to dinner. You get to know people. And then on Sundays, I just feel like it's a time of getting together and learning, and I feel I'm always hugged. I've never been hugged so many times in my life by people who are really happy to see me there. And so I feel like I'm growing, but I also feel like I have a support system at Denver Christian Bible Church. So if people would like to come, how do they reach you, Pastor Moreland? Please go to our website. You can download our sermons for free and find out where we are, denverbible.org. Hi, it's Angie Austin. Have you ever thought about mentoring someone? Well, guess what? We need you. The Denver Rescue Mission needs mentors for kids and adults. Hello, Alexa with the Denver Rescue Mission. So how can we help you? Uh, You can sign up to be a mentor for a child or an adult, um, people who are um, in one of the Denver Rescue Mission programs. um, And you basically sign up at denverrescuemission.org. And for mentoring, there's a little bit more involved. You may have to do a background check in some of those things. But it's a, a few times a month commitment. And you can spend, you know, an hour or so with a kiddo or an adult and really pour into their lives a little bit when they've come from some some situations in their lives and just be a friend. Yeah, be a friend. And you've been mentoring someone and you find mentoring that young gal very satisfying. I do. I'm mentoring a 14-year-old girl and it's been just a blast. So I really encourage you to, you know, look into it. And give us your website again. DenverRescueMission.org. This is the place where love lives. 810-KLVZ. Welcome back to the good news. The good news is Carrie Conley is joining us on a Tuesday. Yay, Carrie Conley. Hi. Yay, Angie Austin. How you doing? I'm well. So I was looking at tickets to Phoenix because I'm part of your big event in Phoenix. So give everyone a little info about that. And then we're going to talk about how to achieve your dreams, Carrie Conley. Yeah, of course. Angie Austin, you know, it's all about that, right? When we get together, we talk about dreams and vision. We do. So in, uh, if people want information on joining us in Phoenix to achieve their dreams, what website will they go to? They go to my website, infinitenation.com. Excellent. And there's a button that says events, and then there's a button that says VIV, which is short for Vision is Victory, of course. VIV the event. Love it. And they can go there and get some details, and we're still adding more details as we go. So... Yeah, I'm just looking at tickets. They're cheap right now. Um, they are cheap. Yeah, a really good deal. All right. Very good deal. Yep. And and airline tickets right now are ridiculously inexpensive. So we are really encouraging people to get registered early because by December they go up about three times as much. Excellent. All right. Well, that's what I'm working on. All right. So let's talk about uh, your line of vision today. You wanted to talk about people getting derailed from their dreams and their visions because of expectations that they are attached to that keep them from moving forward towards their dreams. Yeah. You know, um, this has stemmed from a lot of conversations I've been having lately. And I think it's because, you know, we're headed into fourth quarter. People are starting to see the holidays come up and you know, they're starting to already look at this year and think, oh, man, this, this did not turn out the way I thought it was going to turn out, whether it's the year or their life overall. And it really comes from a conversation I was having with my sister-in-law, who's now an empty nester, and she thought they were going to settle in and have a pretty even-keel life, which she loves, and her husband decided they were going to start a business in Dallas, and now they bounce back and forth, and she said, I really have to stop 
attaching my happiness to expectations I have of how things are turning out. And that's really been, you know, roaming around in my head thinking about how many times we attach our vision of something we want to create in our life to look overall to a result or an expectation we have in a situation or an expectation that we have in people, um, like our spouses, our kids, our parents, whatever it is. And more times than not, expectations we have in ourselves, that we fall short, you know, taking care and doing things for ourselves at the level that we thought we were going to do it. Well, and all these things end up being, these expectations end up being roadblocks because you said that, for Mm -hmm. instance, in terms of situations like you're waiting until the kids are older, you're waiting for um, a job change, you can't leave because you have the golden handcuffs, so you can't actually go after the career of your dreams, you know, you're waiting for, you know, your husband's job to be more secure, like waiting on those, so that, those are roadblocks, and then the people, this one, um, I think for a lot of people hit close to home, you say a lot of times people are waiting for their spouse to finally come around to see what to see your vision, to agree with what you want to do. And Mm -hmm. I think that can really hold people back if they're waiting for their spouse to like, okay it, because as you know, a lot of these people want to protect, Mm -hmm. they want to protect us. And so they don't want us to take risks or go after maybe something we have a passion for. Yeah. And I would say in my 22 years of coaching people, this has been probably in the top three reasons why people don't go after their vision, Angie, is because they're waiting on an expectation that they have uh, of somebody else in their life to change, that their attitude is going to change, their feelings about what you're doing are going to change. And I just, I learned a long time ago, because as you know, when I was doing Arbonne, my husband Ross was not such a big fan of me going into that industry. And it was very hard for me. And for a very long time, I kept trying to get him to see my vision and come around. And, you know, I would hold myself back at some point because I was waiting for that. And I just really had a wake up call one day that I thought, you know, he can't see what I can see, and I can't expect him to because he's not he, – he has his own vision he has to grow, and I've got to grow mine. And thank goodness I separated that long time ago because, as you know, when my husband died unexpectedly a year and a half ago, I was able to pick up and keep moving on with my vision because my result in it was not attached to him making me happy in it. Right, right. And you always say that your why as to why you're trying to achieve these dreams has to be bigger than you, whether it be your family, your kids, your faith, you know, giving back to your community. All right, Carrie Conley, if people want to come to the big event, Viv, in January, where do they go for info? InfiniteNation.com. And if they want coaching, they can go there, too. And Carrie has a lot of, you know, online events and lunches, etc. Thank you, Carrie. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com.